Section 13 of Woman and the New Race by Margaret Sanger. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Becky Cook. Chapter 12. Will Birth Control Help the Cause of Labor? Labor seems instinctively to have recognized the fact that its servitude springs from numbers. Seldom, however, has it applied its knowledge logically and thoroughly. The basic principle of craft unionism is limitation of the number of workers in a given trade. This has been labor's most frequent expedient for righting its wrongs. Every unionist knows, as a matter of course, that if that number is kept small enough, his organization can compel increases of wages, steady employment, and decent working conditions. Craft unionism has succeeded in attaining these insofar as it has been able to apply this principle. It has failed insofar as it has been unable to apply it. The weakness of craft unionism is that it does not carry its principles far enough. It applies its policy of limitation of numbers only to the trade. In his home, the worker, whether he is a unionist or non-unionist, goes on producing large numbers of children to compete with him eventually in the labor market. The history of labor, says Teresa Billington Grieg in The Common Sense of the Population Question, is the history of an ever unsuccessful effort upon the part of man to bring his productive ability as a worker up to his reproductive ability. It has been a losing battle all the way. The small percentage of highly skilled organized workers lead in the struggle for better conditions. Craft unions, by limiting the number of men available for any one trade, manage to procure better pay, shorter hours, and other advantages for their members. Disaster in the form of famine, pestilence, tidal waves, earthquakes, or war sometimes limits the numbers of available workers. Then those who live in parts of the world that are not affected or who stay at home during wars, reap a temporary advantage. These advantages, however, are quickly offset by increased prices or by competition for jobs when soldiers return from war. This form of limitation of numbers works to the advantage of labor as long as it is available, but great disasters are not constantly in operation while the worker's reproductive ability is. So in a few years, they have lost what nature's destructiveness won for them. The great mass of the workers, including children and women, are unskilled and unorganized. Not only that, they are for some considerable part of the time seeking employment. They are, of course, poorly paid. Thus, through their low wages and their seeking of employment, they always come into direct competition with one another and with the skilled and organized workmen. As their families live in want and are often diseased, they create the chief social problems of the day. They bring children into a world as fast as women can bear them. With each child, they increase their own misery and provide another worker to force down wages and prolong hours through competition for employment. This has been the way of labor from the beginning. It is labor's way in every country. Having discovered that there is no relief in legislation, labor organizes to limit its numbers in certain trades. Meanwhile, the women of the working class go on breeding more workers to wipe out in the future the advantages gained for the present. In Paris, for instance, the proletarian quarters of the city show birth rate more than three times as high as the birth rate in the well-to-do sections. Dr. Jacques Bartillon furnishes us with statistics which prove that the birth rate in any quarter of Paris is an inverse ratio to its degree of affluence, says G. Hardy in How to Prevent Pregnancy. The rich Champs-Élysées has a birth rate a third of that of Belleville or of the Bouches-Chamont. From 1,000 women, from the age of 15 to 50, Menamontan gives 116 births, the Champs-Élysées 34 births. It is the same in Berlin, for 1,000 women from the age of 15 to that of 50, 
a very poor quarter gives a hundred and fifty-seven births a rich quarter gives forty-seven births and so it is all over the world the very word proletarian as hardy points out means producer of children the children thus carelessly produced undermine the health of the mother deepen the family's poverty destroy the happiness of the home and dishearten the father all this in addition to being future competitors in the labor market too often their increasing number drives a mother herself into industry where her beggarly wages tend to lower the level of those of her husband the first sickening feature of this general situation is the high infant mortality among the children of the workers many children come merely to sap the strength of the mother suffer and die leaving to show for their coming and going only an increased burden of sorrow and debt the lower the family income the more of these babies die before they are a year old a survey of infant mortality in johnstown pennsylvania by the federal children's bureau gave these typical results for the year nineteen eleven infant mortality father's earnings rate under five hundred and twenty one dollars one hundred and ninety seven point three five hundred and twenty one dollars to six hundred and twenty four dollars one ninety three point one six hundred and twenty five dollars to seven hundred and seventy nine dollars one hundred and sixty three point one seven hundred and eighty dollars to eight hundred and ninety nine dollars one hundred sixty eight point four nine hundred to one thousand one hundred and ninety nine dollars one hundred and forty two point three one thousand two hundred dollars or over one hundred and two ample eighty eight these figures do not represent the total income of all families neither will money buy as much in nineteen twenty as it did in nineteen eleven seventy per cent of the people of the united states have incomes of less than one thousand dollars this means that from one hundred and forty two to one hundred and ninety seven children born into such families die before they are one year old the births and deaths of these children represent just so much useless burden of anguish and sorrow to the workers despite this high infant death rate the workers of the united states still have more children than they can care for there are enough of them left over to provide three million child laborers who by working for a pittance crowd their parents out of employment and force the families deeper into poverty when all is said and done the workers who produce large families have themselves to blame for the hundreds of thousands of unemployed grasping for jobs for the strike breakers for the policemen who beat up and arrest strikers and for the soldiers who shoot strikers down all these come from the families of working men their fathers and mothers are workers for wages out of the loins of labor they come into the world and compel surplus labor to betray labor that is employed nor is this all when a workman of superior strength and skill protected by his union manages to maintain a large or moderate-sized family in a degree of comfort there always comes a time when he must strike to preserve what he has won if he is not beaten by unorganized workers who seek his job he still has to face the possibility of listening to the cries of several hungry children if the strike is a long one these cries often down the promptings of loyalty and class interest often they defeat him when nothing else could is it any wonder that under handicaps like these labor becomes confused and flounders it has been offered a multitude of remedies political reforms wage legislation statutory regulation of hours and so on it has been invited to embrace craft and industrial unionism syndicalism anarchism socialism as panaceas for its liberation except in a few countries it has not attained to aggressive power but has been a tool for unscrupulous politicians even with the temporary advantages gained by the wiping out of millions of workers in the great war labor's problem remains unresolved it has now as always to contend with the crop of young laborers coming into the market and with the ever-present labor-saving machine which instead of relieving the worker's situation makes it all the harder for him to escape 
few laborers are needed today for a given amount of production and distribution than before the invention of these machines yet owing to the increase in the number of the workers labor finds itself enslaved instead of liberated by the machine hitherto says john stuart mill it is questionable if all the mechanical inventions yet made have lightened the day's toil of any human being they have enabled a greater population to live the same life of drudgery and imprisonment an increased number of manufacturers and others to make fortunes that in a few words sums up the greatest part of labor's progress we blame capitalism and its wasteful brutal industrial system for all of our social problems but our numbers were vast and our bondage grievous before modern industry came into existence we may curse the trust but our subjection was accomplished before the trust had emerged from the brain of evolution we may blame public officials and individual employers but our burdens were crushing before these were born we look now here now there for the cause of our condition everywhere but at the right one to blame we fight again and again for our rights only to be conquered by our own kind our own children our brothers our neighbors let us carry to its logical conclusion the principle of limitation which has been partially applied by labor unions the way to get rid of labor problems unemployment low wages the surplus unwanted population is to stop breeding they come from our own ranks from our own families the way to get better wages shorter hours a new system for the advancement of labor is to make labor's numbers fewer let us not wait for war famine and plague to do it let us cease bringing unwanted children into the world to suffer a while add to our burdens and die let us cease bringing others into the world to compete with us for a living let the women workers practice birth control what are the concrete things which the worker can gain at once through birth control first a small family can live much better than a large one upon the wages now received workers could be better fed clothed and educated again fewer children in the families of the workers would tend to check the rise in the prices of food which are forced up as the demand increases within a few years it would reduce the number of workers competing for jobs the worker could the more easily force society to give him more of the product of his labor or all of it and while these things are taking place the slums with their disease their moral degradation and all their sordid accompaniments would automatically disappear no worker would need to live in such tenements hence they would be modernized or torn down at the same time the few children that were being born to the workers would be stronger healthier more courageous they would be fit human beings not miserable victims of murderous conditions birth control does not propose to replace any of the idealistic movements and philosophies of the workers it is not a substitute it proceeds it is of itself a principle that lifts the heaviest of the burdens that afflict labor it can and it must be the foundation upon which any permanently successful improvement in conditions is attained it is therefore a necessary prelude in all effective propaganda a few years of systematic agitation for birth control would put labor in a position to solve all its problems labor organized or unorganized must take heed of this fact Groups and parties working for a new social order must include it in their programs. No social system, no workers' democracy, no socialist republic can operate successfully and maintain its ideals unless the practice of birth control is encouraged to a marked and efficient degree. In Spain I saw a bullfight. It was in the great arena at Barcelona. As bull after bull went down, his magnificent, defeated strength bleeding away through wounds inflicted by his weak but skillful assailant, I thought of the world of workers and their oppressors. As each bull was sent into the arena, he was confronted by one assailant and twenty confusers. 
There was but one enemy for him to face, but there were twenty brilliant flags, each of a different color, to distract his attention from the man who held the weapon. No sooner was his real antagonist in danger than one of the confusers fluttered a flag before his anger-maddened eyes. With one toss of his horns he could have ripped the light from the torridor, but his confusers were always there with the flags. One after another he charged them only to spend the force of his lungs in the empty air. He found that, as he was about to toss one of his confusers into the air, he was confronted by another flag which he charged with equal futility. Finally, utterly bewildered and exhausted, too spiritless to meet the attack, he falls under the sword thrust of the Toreador. And the sun shines in the deep blue overhead, the band plays, the ten thousand gaily clad spectators shout, while the victim is dragged out to make room for another. It is the drama of labor. It will be the drama of labor until labor finds its real enemy. That enemy is the reproductive ability of the working class which gluts the channels of progress with the helpless and weak, and stimulates the tyrants of the world in their oppression of mankind. End of section 13